Hello, welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a podcast by Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor, Brett Thorne. For this episode, I spoke with Brandon Boudet, the chef and co-owner of Little Dom's in Los Angeles and Little Dom's Seafood on the Santa Barbara coast in Carpinteria, California. I hope you're not surprised to learn that Boudet is tired of talking about the pandemic, but he indulged me anyway, and then we had a nice chat about the joys of working with the local farmers and fishermen near Little Dom's Seafood and how that has benefited his Los Angeles restaurant as well. And now, Brandon Boudet. Brandon Boudet, how are you today? I'm good, how are you? I'm, I'm doing well. Are you in Los Angeles, in Carpinteria? Where, where are you? Um, I am in Los Angeles, and I'm getting ready to head up to Ojai after this uh, podcast. So you have Little Dom's and Dom's Seafood, but you've yes. been doing this for like, yeah, how many years have you been in the restaurant business? 80? 80, yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, like, let's see. Um, if you want to start with like cooking career. Yeah. Um, that's That started in 1990, like when I was still in high school. Um, so and that was in New Orleans, right? Yes. Yeah. Worked at a little Italian restaurant in the French Quarter. Then I went to culinary school. And, you know, you make big money once you get out of culinary school. That's yeah. Like, at that time, it was probably, what, $4 an hour or something like um, that? No, I, I thought I was making good money when I went back and I started working for Emerald Lagasse at his second restaurant and um i started out at 675 an hour yeah and which was above I, when, minimum wage so that right, was yeah. that was no, good. right when i left there it was uh when i left i was making 850 an hour after a year and a half so that was pretty good yeah so <laughs> you're you're from new orleans and then you went to culinary school in los angeles right uh culinary, culinary school in san francisco ah the was it the California Culinary Academy? Is that the one? Exactly, on Polk and Eddie. I see. And then you went home when you worked for like Paul Prudhomme and Emerald Lagasse. Yeah, went, went home because that was the most uh, affordable way to do it was to go back and live at home for a few years. Right. Uh, and be able to, uh, you know, bust my butt working in the restaurant industry as a cook. And so you, you did that for a while, and you've worked in different parts of the country, but you've been in L.A. for, what, 22 years, something like that? Um, yeah, so my, I got my first break after being a line cook for a couple of years. Um, I had worked for the Hard Rock Cafe in the front of the house, like through high school and, and when I was going to culinary school. And um, they asked, they came to me, the... Um, upper management and asked me if I wanted to open up the, the Hard Rock Hotel in Las Vegas. And I was, what, 22 at the time. And I was like, okay, sure. I'll do it, great, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they were like, bring me on as like a sous chef, but then something happened and they're like, well, you're just gonna be the chef of the place. And I'm like, okay. And I, I still live by that sort of saying today, like act like you've been there. And yeah. that's what I did the first, like, 10 years of my career. <laughs> and how, how long, how much of that was at the Hard Rock uh, Hotel? What was that? How long were you at the Hard Rock Hotel? Um, 
Not that long, actually. Like once I got to Las Vegas, no, uh, um, no, you know, I'm not trying to make uh, bad ideas about Las Vegas, but um, it wasn't really my cup of tea. And I was there for probably nine months, and that's when I got the offer to move to Los Angeles and open up Bar Mamont, uh next to the Chateau Mamont Hotel. That's nice. And and remind me of who who was your patron at that time? It was Sean McPherson, right? Uh, Sean McPherson and uh, Andre Balage was uh, my my um, bosses at the time. Gotcha. And so you did that for a while. And then, so how did you come across Little Dom's? It was next to like Dominic's, right? Like an old Italian restaurant? Uh, yeah. Well, back up way before that, I'd been, okay. working, for, I'd been working for Little Dom's. I mean, I've been working for uh, uh, Bar Mamont in like the early 90s. We opened it up, and our first night that we opened up was uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's 21st birthday party. Um, and then from 94 to 97, I was there. And then I went to the Argyle Hotel, which is now um, the uh, Sunset Towers on, uh, uh, on Hollywood Boulevard. And uh, I mean, on Sunset Boulevard. And then from there, I kept in contact with other people. And when we, I was opening up a restaurant for Sean McPherson and Eric Good in New York, um, uh, my future business partner was sleeping on my sofa, helping uh, open up the restaurants out there. And that's where the, the 101 coffee shop uh, was born, was on the sofa in my apartment in Manhattan. And then uh, from there, that was in 2001, we opened that. And then we opened and up. And that Dominic. was in LA, right? Yeah, yeah. One-on-one -on -one coffee shop. Yep, we just closed it in the pandemic. Um, it, it was open for 19 years. Uh, and right after that, in 2003, we opened up Dominic's, which is in West Hollywood, which had been around since 1948. And we had that for, um, I believe, 14 years. And then when in the middle of Dominic's, um, I started doing uh, like little food, sort of wine tasting things at a, a place called Silver Lake Wine in Silver Lake. And uh, that's where Little Dom's was born. And around what, 2007 or so, we opened up Little Dom's, I believe in 2007 or eight. And, uh, Initially, we talked about the idea of doing Little Dom's as like a neighborhood, like little pizza joint or whatever like that. But I was at Silver Lake Wine doing this event and a friend of mine that owns Silver Lake Wine, he was like, hey, this place is available. You should go talk to them. So I called on my business partner as I left the event and I was like, hey, um, La Bella Pac is available. Um, let's go like try and get it. And he went there the next day and like, we got it and it's been amazing ever since. And so what is it? It's, it sounds like it's a bit more, more than a, a pizzeria. Yes. So it's definitely more than a, it's a, it's a neighborhood breakfast, lunch and dinner spot, you know? And we were first, we opened up as a, a dinner spot and it was like solid all the way through. And then, um, we opened up for breakfast, lunch, um, and dinner, like six months later. And uh, it took a little while to catch on, but once it caught on, it's like, it's been nonstop. 
ever since. And, and what's what, the food like? Uh, it's updated Italian American, very approachable, um, simple, straightforward. We have pizza, we have all of our pastas handmade in house, and um, we try and shop at the farmer's market as much as possible. And uh, it's just it's just approachable, nice, clean food. You have a very culinary background, but it sounds like what you want to do is like straightforward, a, a bit of local seasonal, not 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 too fussy. Is that is that kind of your approach? Uh, yeah, like it. It really all. It's like it evolves as we go along and we grow older and like figure things out and just in the environment, you know. And it's like a perfect example is you know rolling into Little Dom Seafood and opening it up in the middle of a pandemic, which was crazy to begin with. <laughs> but it, it's like where Little Dom Seafood is, is located, where you are forced to use local farmers and local fishermen. It's just like, the, it's the easiest way to go, like for, for us up there. And we found ourselves actually um, using, the, in the beginning of the pandemic for Little Doms in LA, we were using all the farmers up in, up in the Carpinteria area because it was just easier for us to get product in the beginning when everything was like scarce and it was like, you know, you had to go to a farmer's market and wait in crazy lines. And, and like, it was just like not feasible for us to, and then like everybody, like, you know, it was just scrambling. It was just like chaos. And like your food purveyors were like, Oh, we're only delivering twice a week. And we're like, okay. And just, we had to figure it out. But like, yeah, it's like, you know, we try to keep it super local as possible. And it's like, and simple and straightforward. And that's kind of like the motto. And it just kind of, it's evolved as we've gone along. And, uh, you know, it's, it seems to work so far. So what, let's talk about Little Dom Seafood and, and when you thought of, about opening it and then how you ended up opening it during the pandemic and, and carpentry is like on the Santa Barbara coast, right? A, a bit. In the yes. Way, right? we're, we're two. Yeah. We're two blocks away from the beach. Um, you're 15 minutes above uh, Ventura and you're 10 minutes to Montecito and another you're 12 minutes from Santa Barbara. Yeah. Very picturesque. Super. Yes. Very Near Ojai where Shangri-La is. Exactly. Ojai plays the role of Shangri-La in some movie. <laughs> That's my, my drive to work when, I, when I'm at my house in Ojai is, is through downtown Ojai, up through the 150, through the Los Padres National Forest, and to work. Didn't, so, didn't Ojai burn up a few years ago? Yes. Um, part, of our, part of our property burned. Um, but, uh, yeah, a couple of houses behind me and a couple of houses in, in front of us burned down. But uh, we, we uh, just missed it. And it's growing back and uh yeah, it's great. Yep. Oh, so, so I I asked you a question and then I didn't let you answer it. So let's talk about Little Dom's seafood and the process well, of opening it. Yeah, so that one came about. Um the the building my business partner was uh very interested in and inquired about it a few years back before um, And he's from Carpentry, right? Um he lives in he lived in Ohio uh, for a while. Um, he 
had lived in LA for a long time too when we had all the businesses and uh, uh, he had been, he's been in Carpinteria probably uh, three or four years okay. now. Um, but he likes, he, he turns into the mayor of any city that he moves into. So, <laughs> um, uh, so he became uh, acquainted with the community pretty quickly and he had his eyes on this one building where uh, Sly's would had been a long-standing restaurant there called Sly's, and the um, he had inquired about the building earlier, a few years back, and then um, about what it was probably two and a half, three years ago, or two years ago, um, that he was able the the owner of the building um, came to him and said, "Hey, are you, are you still interested in?" possibly buying this building you know sly is retiring and uh i'm looking to sell the building and he was like yes so he was able to buy the building and you know the minute we started discussing it it just became like it just it seemed very natural for it to be a little dom seafood you know using taking some of those those hits from little doms in la bringing them up here and then incorporating all the, the amazing seafood that's around there and using all the local farms. So and when, when, did, what, what time period were you planning on opening it? When, when was this conceived of? Um, we started construction and uh, what 2020 was the whole crazy year. We yes. started construction in June, I believe it was like June of 2019. We started construction. The building was purchased in like September of 2018 or whatever. And then, yeah, we started construction somewhere around that time. And then uh, we thought we were going to be pretty close to opening beginning of 2020. And we were ready to, we had already started training and hiring people in uh, early March. And we were going to start uh, full on training on March 19th. But oh. something, yeah, something, <laughs> something happened. That's that's bad timing, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you but you opened anyway. I guess you didn't really yeah, like. So you had all like, this time and and money and stuff invested in it. How you're not going to? Yeah, and, and so it's like we just were just like scrambling. Like, okay, when do we do this? When do we do this? And it was just sort of like we can't just open up for it to go. That would not make sense. So we're like, okay, restaurants open in July in June or late may i believe they were able to reopen in california so we're like okay so we started like end of may we started like okay let's try and like should we try and do it and get it open as soon as possible and we're like okay yeah let's just go for it hell you know can't you know, like we're not doing anything else might as well get this thing open so we're not losing any more money right and so we just we did it and it was it was it did really well. Like we did, like right out of the gate, we we're doing uh, pretty damn good. And then um, November hit, and we were forced to close down again. And right. it got a little scary with the whole uh, being shut down and just doing to go. And but we were able to open back up. Uh, when was that? In, in March, sometime, or or was it February? I forget. Uh, I lose track. I, yeah, I just like to forget all that stuff. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been smooth sailing so far, you know, just trying to get a couple extra bodies in there working, which is a little difficult these days, but, uh, 
we're managing through it. It's been good. Yeah, labor is supposed to be impossible at the moment. Right. No, it's 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 not it's not horrible, but like I've seen worse. But it's it's we're de we're dealing with it. Oh, you have seen worse because some people yeah. say it's never been this terrible. No, I, I've seen worse. <laughs> so, and and a lot of uh, restaurants say, well, it's because people are making too much money on unemployment. What what do you think? Do you think that's a factor? I definitely think it's part of it. Yeah. And it's like, as you see, like we noticed the cycle when there were like, there were talks that the, the feds were going to let go, not like they were going to cut off that in what August or September of last year, you notice people looking for jobs a month or two before that, like it, it built up and built up. So I would, I would anticipate that you'll see people wanting to get back into the workforce in the next uh, couple months. Have you found that you have to pay your staff more than you had in the past? Um, yes and no. We've, we've definitely like rearranged some stuff and just like how we run it and how people are paid and who's tipped out and how that works. Like we've definitely rearranged it for, to make it a more cohesive, um, more level playing field for front and back of the house. So I think starting in 2019, I'd have to look that up. Uh, it became legal to to tip out the back of the house, right? And so, um, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I believe so. Around that right. at some point, and so you you started uh, pooling the tips with with all yeah. all yeah. hourly employees, basically. Yeah, everyone pretty much gets uh, some type of tip. Oh, and you guys don't have the tip credit in California, so you have to pay servers at least minimum wage anyway. So yes, which is a really yeah, it's a, it's a it's it's pretty pretty steep. You know, labor is definitely always an issue. You know, it's, it's we you know what is it? It's fifteen dollars an hour now. Right. And so a server gets paid fifteen dollars an hour. Not but that that means they don't take as big a hit if you share the tip with the back of the house. As opposed right. to say in New York, where I don't know how little they make, not very much, uh, so they have to keep a lot more of the tips. It's more right. it's more problematic in the forty some odd states that uh, that have a tip credit. Right, right, right. Theoretically, this is a culinary podcast, and we haven't really talked much about your cooking. So let, let's yeah, talk about let's food. talk about food. Screw all that. I don't want to talk about. The, I don't want. I'm tired of talking about pandemics. I'm tired of talking about how it. Uh, how the pandemic has affected you and what you've done. I'm tired of talking about that. Let's talk about the future. <laughs> let's talk about the future and let's talk about your food. What, let's, what, what are like popular dishes at Little Dom's and what's, what's your approach? Yeah, no, like, it, like, it just like makes me think about that when I reminded myself that I was doing this podcast. I was just like, I really, you know, and it's, I've, it's like, I'm constantly, I have conversations like my daily day is like, a conversation with a farmer, a fisherman, and like that's one of the most enjoyable parts of my day. It's like finding out um, what the fishermen have, what they're coming in with, and what what I can get, what I can use. And the farmers texting me saying, "Hey, I got like I got fava beans now. We got tons of strawberries now. Like, what do you want to do with it?" That's like that's the fun part. That's the fun part for me. And like the whole thing of having the restaurant in Carpinteria kind of brought it all to my eyes and made it like so much more fun just to be able to like be surrounded by all these ingredients and having conversations with the, the fishermen and, and like them thanking me for like 
using them and it was just amazing that like we were having these conversations they're like yeah not many restaurants in that santa barbara county and ventura county area actually use local fishermen and it's like if you start talking about the whole like fisheries industry in california like anything you read you'll see that like the majority of, of fish caught in california gets shipped out and it's like i deal with that problem too on a regular basis like if i'm trying to buy like spiny lobster from one of my guys um and they'll be like yeah sorry like the the price is 28 dollars a pound right now because you know uh Asia is buying them all and there's like they have to go to where the market is you know and right yeah I mean if you they'll sell it to you if you'll pay them $28 a pound right and it's like I'm not paying $28 right and so you are in this sort of predicament but they do like you know I do buy like all like all of our fish and stuff is, is local and and it's because it's it's the easiest way for me to buy fish you know it's like I had one guy who's like salmon season just started for California King. And he's like, Hey, I got, I got a bunch of salmon coming in. Do you want some for Friday? And then I text my other fisherman. I was like, Hey, I got this. And it's like, I text my other, um, I text Stephanie, the sea urchin. Um, and I was like, Hey, like, like do you have any other fish? Um, and, or you got, what you got for sea urchin and stuff. And it, it's just, it's a cool part of my job that I've actually like really, enjoyed the last uh, year or so getting to know all the farmers and getting in with all the fishermen and just being around them and then also being able to use them down in LA too you know so the heads that relationship helped you get supply for little doms yeah. yes yes definitely definitely yeah no it was just like I was reading an article about the whole like uh like how um 11 Madison is going to a whole vegetarian menu because right. they're like one of the reasons was that he cited was that they, you know, they, they have trouble getting products or whatever. And it's like, I totally get it and totally understand it. And it's like, I'm just, we're like, just blessed to be in this like area where it's like, okay, like I can get amazing, sustainable seafood um, and all these vegetables that are grown right here. So it's like, it makes sense for us to do, you know, a seafood restaurant. It's like, I'm getting oysters from Baja. Like I call up, my guy on i text him on monday he says hey what do you want and i'll tell him that give me 40 dozen uh kumamoto's and uh 40 dozen gigas and he's like okay great his he has a farm down in baja the truck goes down on uh tuesday comes back on wednesday and i get oysters that were harvested on tuesday delivered to me on wednesday i was like you can't get it fresher than that mm, that and you're you are in the sea urchin capital of yes right yeah know, my, of the, the hemisphere sea urchin, i get sea urchin twice a week and um stephanie goes out on her boat um normally on wednesdays and fridays i believe and uh comes back and they're dropped off to us wednesday afternoon and, and saturday morning I know nothing about sea urchins. Are they wild? Are they cultivated? How do they? Yeah, no, they're they're wild, and they're like they're there's plenty, plenty of them, and it's like you know they they destroy like the the kelp beds and stuff. So it's like you want to like be like harvesting them as much as possible. So um, they're like the most delicious invasive species. 
Yes, exactly. Well, maybe they're not invasive. Maybe they're indigenous to there. I don't know. But they're. So what do you do with them? Do you just like put them on toast or something or eat them? So we we serve them at our, our seafood bar, just cracked open. We like mm-hmm. to um, um, let them. Uh, we we cure them briefly in a little bit of a salt brine, and then let them uh, rest refrigerated. Um, and then we just serve them back in the shell, topped with a little bit of lemon and a little bit of salsa verde. Um, and then the other way is that we take uh, all the extra scraps and not the prettiest lobes and stuff, and we mix them in and make an uni butter, mm. uh, spiritual mm. butter. And we serve that with uh, malfadine uh, pasta and a, just a, a spicy sort of sea compound butter. Lots of garlic and crushed red pepper and parsley and basil and lemon zest and and top them off with some crushed pine nuts mm, that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds so good um and and so has the food at little dom's changed much because you have little dom seafood and access to all the bounty of the santa barbara coast um yes like little dom's you know hate to go back to the pandemic but Little Dom's in LA. We've had to we've had to streamline the menu a little bit, but we're 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 finally getting ourselves back out of it. We're starting to get back to the the normal thing because down in LA we have um, a great little like uh, deli on the side where we have all these like great baked goods and stuff. And like during the pandemic, we had to like kind of streamline that and use that as our to go business because our to go business was like through the roof and it mm-hmm. still is like crazy busy to go business also so we're just we're slowly working our way back to like old school little doms and uh and so yes we're starting to incorporate some some little dom seafood stuff that we've had success with and and vice versa just kind of going back and forth with it and we'll so- uh, like my my chefs will trade ideas with each other like hey we've been doing this as a special whatever you should try it down there and same thing with our our pastry chef she um works between both restaurants and so she'll be like oh yeah it's doing this one's doing really well up here let's try it down there or whatever vice versa and what, what's your pastry chef's name and kirk and kirk and your partner is warner ebbing right yes okay good to get those on the record so that they get credit for for being awesome <laughs> um so you want to talk about the future. You said, let's talk about the future, but maybe the pandemic has, has affected the future. Do you think there are changes in the business that are permanent? Like takeout, you probably didn't do much takeout before the pandemic. Is that a permanent we, a, we, we actually did it. We did a decent amount of takeout at Little Dom's um, in LA. And, uh, but yes, it's grown. Um, it's what probably like, quadrupled and it's kind of stayed um that way so yes it, it's it's definitely it has its benefits the to-go business um but it, it also has its it's a little bit of its drawbacks because you have to kind of like you know you can't have two separate menus for in dining and in to-go so there are some drawbacks but overall it hasn't been too bad um, but yeah, uh, we we're pretty confident that that to go business is here to stay for a little while. And it's like we are blessed with our menu um, that it does travel well, you know, and there's stuff that that travels well, like like pizza, which is a, a very big, you know, a very popular to go item. And then 
you know, the Italian food stuff, it just, it carries well. So it helped, you know, it's been pretty good throughout the whole, you know, boom of the, the to-go business. And have you been working with uh, the third-party delivery companies? Uh, yes. Yes. It's hard to make money doing that, huh? Um, we, you know, we're one of the, you know, one of their better, uh, what do you call it, clients. Um, so we get better rates. Oh, you know, that's cool. That's what it comes down to. And it's like we're able to use our, our leverage with our to-go business down in L.A. to help um, with, uh, getting a good, uh, a good rate for our business up in Carpinteria. Yeah. It seems like once people realize they don't actually have to put on their shoes to have a nice meal, they, they don't. Oh my God. I'm guilty of it myself. It's like, I do them all grocery delivery, everything. <laughs> delivery. Well, Brandon Boudet, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me and let everybody know about what you're doing. Congratulations on, uh, perhaps making it through the pandemic. We don't know. It's not over, but. It's but, over. Okay. <laughs>